You are now listening to a Fit Plus Love production. There's something about dreams, you know, I, I call them pesky, right? It's kind of like you can kind of ignore them, but they're still there. And it's like, hey, hello, I'm here. And then you still might be like, go away, go away, go away. I'm focusing on this step over here. But yet they're still there, right? And I think ignoring those callings that you have in your spirit can only last for so long until it's like, okay, fine, I just give in, let's do this thing. And that's kind of what happened to me. That was Danielle Lewis. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative, movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, happy Monday. Welcome to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Okay, so I know Mondays are typically Monday moves. My solo insight, tips, advice, but I had to drop this combo today with Danielle Lewis, U.S. pro triathlete who just placed sixth in Oceanside, the North American Ironman season opener 70.3 that essentially kicks off the triathlon 2023 race season. Danielle and I are talking about her athletic journey into triathlon, how she is bringing her dreams to life, what her season looks like for 2023, her current nutrition, hydration, and she shares some details on some of her super cool sponsors. We talk about what she's doing when she isn't racing and our mutual love of dogs. Danielle has earned multiple first place and podium finishes at the 70.3 distance and continues to progress through the ranks. This year, her goal is to qualify for Kona, so we will see her doing some full distance races. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple. It's easy. Just head over to wherever you get your podcasts on Apple. Click on the Marnie on the Move podcast. Scroll through the episodes, click on the five stars, and then click on leave a review. Tell us what you love. Also, feel free to share this conversation on your social channels, wherever you like to get social. Now, on to my convo with Danielle. So, well, it's so great to meet you. Yeah, you too. Well, thank you for having me. I mean, I know I saw on your Instagram, like February was not a good month for you. You were not in a good state of health. But you seem to be back to training now. So yeah, what's your training like right now? I know you're sort of really just getting started. Yeah, so after the season ended, it was um, the early December of last year. Took a little bit of downtime, visited some family, which is nice because the sport is a bit unforgiving in terms of being able to make extra trips to see family, especially yeah. when you're racing a lot and um, and training in between. So um, spent some time with family. And then um, January went down to Arizona, which we do that every year. My yeah. husband has family down there. And so it's nice to get out of the cold weather here in Boise and do some training there, which was really good. I uh, had a good training block. And then once I got back here, um, yeah, just the, my health wasn't like it just, I just, things felt really off. Um, yeah. my swimming was actually going well, but the, the biking and running, I just, 
it was a several weeks of a very um, an abnormal type of fatigue. Um, okay. So I had some different blood tests done and went to see my doctor. Um, some things were elevated, but there wasn't, I think I may have been battling a mild virus, but nothing like, um, like really like overwhelming or kind of at the surface, right. if you know what I mean? Just yeah. Kind of, yeah. So, uh, I just really had to listen to the body and rest and, you know, it was a little it's frustrating because it's a really important time of year to be building some yeah. big fitness going into the season. My a races for my a race right now is actually in late April, Ironman, Texas. It's also challenging to have a big a race early in the year. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So like I said, it was a little bit disheartening, but just had to, you know, take it a day at a time. And thankfully I'm out of that funk now and been able to train and, and doing well now. So how long have you been a pro triathlete and how long were you doing triathlon before that? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so I started triathlon in 2017 Okay. and then I took my elite license in 2018. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I have been a professional the entirety of my career for the most part, so, <laughs> minus the first year. <laughs> I mean, that's like, it's, it's a lot mentally and physically, like even as an age group athlete, you know, with mm-hmm. another job, like it's not my job, it's a lot. So I can't even imagine like if it's your job, sure. like what that is like on your body and your mind and also like getting, well, yeah, to take time. Yeah. And it, so I was still working full time the first couple years okay. of being a, racing in the professional field, um, and it's interesting though. I had this conversation with somebody recently, and it's like, as an athlete, you can't afford to be eighty yeah. percent of your best, right? An average person they can go through their day to day and function and not be a hundred percent and still be fine. But for us, it's like we have to be a hundred percent like all the time. Yeah. to be able to function. And they, and the person I was speaking with, they said, it's kind of like telling a, pr- a computer programmer to go to work, but, oh, you can't have your computer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's hard. Speaking of like having to be a hundred percent all the time. I mean, you really do need to take your downtime. The getting back to it can be challenging mentally also. Yeah. yeah rest is definitely very important. Um, and you pick and choose, you know, which races you do want to be at your peak yeah. at. Yeah. Um, a lot of races, you may just kind of train through them or you're not peaking for them because it's obviously you can't be in peak condition year round. Do you, is it something you can share like your strategy for the next few months for racing? Like you said, your opening event, your A race is Texas. Yeah. So, well, my first race of the season will be Oceanside. Of course. Uh, yeah. So that's 70.3 Oceanside, which is funny because it always has a humongous field and it's like it's like an early season world championship field yeah, yeah. <laughs> almost. But you know, I, I was talking to my husband about this the other day too, is most people that show up to Oceanside, most people aren't there to say, okay, I'm here to like win this race. This is my A race of the year. Most people show up to say, okay, this is the first race of the year. Just going to shake off the cobwebs, see where my fitness is and obviously go for a good result, do my best see where we're at, but really not a whole bunch of pressure attached to it. Yeah. So anyways, it is a, it is a bit of a, a, a dog fight. It's a, it's a, it's a tough race. It's a lot of fun though. So that will be in three weeks, April 1st. Yep. And then three weeks after that is Ironman, Texas. 
And I think that's going to have a really big field also uh, because there are five slots to the Ironman World Championships. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I think there's going to be a lot of people trying to get one of those. And then let's see, two weeks after that is the 70.3 North American Championships in St. George. I love it there. It's cold. Yeah. The water is cold. (laughs) You're like, yeah. It is, but... I would prefer a war- a cold water swim versus a warm water swim. <laughs> Unless it's like in the ocean. Yeah. Then that's fun. Oceanside is a, is a challenging swim, right? It is. Or is that mm-hmm. your, like, is that your happy place? Like in the ocean and like choppy water or? I think it's a blast. Now okay. swimming isn't, I don't have a swimming background. Um, that's something I had to learn once I started triathlon, but I love, I love the ocean. I, I like the the different dynamic of having to uh, dive through the waves and get through the break and all of that. It just, it, I, I find that a lot of fun. Okay, cool. What were you doing before you went pro as a triathlete? So I worked full time in public health. Okay. I have a master's degree in public health, which awesome. is not being used right now. <laughs> but yeah, so I worked in healthcare and then for a health department. Mm-hmm. And do you miss it? So I do. I really um, enjoy the work. Um, we did a lot of community health need assessment type work. So it was work in the community, but then also work in evaluating our findings and presenting those things in reports. And I I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Did you get to do any, like, did you help anyone out during the pandemic or because we weren't racing or? Uh, well, I was full-time um, professional at that time. So I was okay. not in yeah. the field at that point. Mm-hmm. Got it. I, I, I lived in Missouri um, in when I was working in the field. Um, and I think that if I was still living in Missouri, I probably would have ended up going back to the department to work um, during the pandemic, just because I probably would have been, I would have felt that pull to go help out. I know it was a very busy time. Mm -hmm. And so now, and and you're from West Palm Beach, right? I was reading your bio. That's where you're from. Oh yeah. My parents live there. Uh, (laughs) Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. I grew up there from like fifth grade through my senior year of high school. And you've always been athletic. Yep. I ran in high school. I played basketball. I did volleyball. And then I, let's see, I went to college to run. I ran at Baylor in Texas. Okay. Uh, and then I wanted to run professionally after, um, college, but I got sick my senior year. I had mono and a vitamin D deficiency and that combo just totally wiped me out for a while. Yeah. Uh, and I took some time off. Um, and at that point my collegiate running was done, um, ended up gaining like 50 pounds in a year because I got pretty depressed with how running ended. Yeah. Uh, that was a little traumatic time, (laughs) but then one day I, you know, I was at home and I was like, you know, I can do whatever I want to do if I just set my mind to do it. Um, and to me, I know it's, it sounds cliche, but to me, it was kind of just like a light switch went off in my head. Yeah. And I gave myself a strict eating, eating plan, a workout plan. And I just went to work. Um, I started focusing on triathlon at that time. Uh, but then I had a bike accident and fractured my shoulder. I couldn't um, swim. And so I just started riding my bike more, started racing my bike. And then within three years was on a domestic elite team traveling around the country racing. 
um, on my bike. And then I had another bike accident and fractured a couple bones in my back. And then at that point, I decided just to kind of hang it up and focus on my career in public health and, yep, just put the athletic dreams way back in the back parts of my brain. <laughs> but clearly, they resurfaced. I mean, yes. So, so, I mean, it's clearly something that you're passionate about and you keep coming back to it. I think that's kind mm -hmm. of, there's something to be said about that. I mean, that takes a strong mental, like, constitution to be able to, like, overcome serious challenges and a bike accident and then getting back into it. Yeah, you're something about dreams, you know, I, I call them pesky, right? It's kind of like you can kind of ignore them, but they're still there and it's like, hey, hello, I'm here. Yeah. And then you still might be like, go away, go away, go away. I'm focusing on this stuff over here. But yet they're still there, right? Yeah. And I think ignoring those callings that you have in your spirit can only last for so long until it's like, okay, fine, I just give in, let's do this thing. And that's kind of what happened to me. So do you ever feel like nervous on the bike anymore or are you just, it's out of your mind? You know, if I have, um, some fast, this has it happened to me going downhill, um, at, you know, 40 plus miles an hour. And I, there was a, an accident that happened immediately in front of me and I ended up flipping and landing on my back. Um, and so that was a scary moment because, you know, I wasn't sure if I could move my legs. I was in so much pain, oh you know, gosh. and I just, I know it was awful. And so now, you know, I, um, do I think about it? I think like sometimes it does cross my mind if I'm going downhill pretty fast, but that's like, you can't think about that stuff yeah. when you're doing that, you know? So if it comes, I just kind of like have to let it, okay, there it is. Okay. Now watch it leave and just focus on what you're doing and staying relaxed and everything. I mean, obviously you have a whole mental component to your training and racing that kind of help you power through all kinds of stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's a really big piece of it. You know, you just have to find confidence in your abilities. You know, it's like I've descended, you know, countless of times, you know, and, and you know, knock on wood, have crashed going downhill once, you know, okay, now I really needed like, knock on my head. I know. Thanks, right? No, but I mean, um, I only yeah, ask about that because like, it's so, so fucking scary. Like, I mean, at, like I crashed on my bike, not moving. I was trying to clip out and broke my front teeth this summer. Oh and my gosh. Yeah. It wasn't even a big deal compared to like what you know, professional athletes or people I know that have had, I just was lucky that nothing serious mm -hmm. happened. But first I refused, like I was, con I was conscious. So, I mean, but I literally blacked out for a second and this girl helped me. I refused to go in an ambulance. I was like, I'm totally yep. fine. I did not see like the lip gushing blood. And the girl <laughs> was like, Oh, like we'll go, we should go in an ambulance. I'm like, no, the hospital's like five blocks away. Let's just walk there. She's like, I don't think you can walk. I'm like, I'm totally fine. Adrenaline. <laughs> and like, we get yeah. to the hospital and they're like, all right, you can't bring your bike in. I'm like, I'm not coming in. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, um, so yeah, yeah. You're in New York, the last place you want to do is leave your bike outside of the emergency room. I, know. I was not. And Someone's going to pay off their hospital bills with that thing. <laughs> yeah. And I was sitting in there like all day. I mean, clearly it wasn't an emergency or I would have been in sooner, but I mean, it was pretty bad, but I literally 
like the next day, maybe like three days later, I got on my bike and went for a bike ride because I'm like, there's no way. Well, the best thing that you can do is just get back on the bike, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it, the, another cliche thing to say is, you know, you fall off the horse, you get back on. Yeah. Same thing. If you do, if you do, you just get back on. And that's the thing about riding a bike. Unfortunately, it's true. It's not a matter of if you fall off the bike, it's a matter of when, Yeah. you know, and it happens, but most of the time it's going to be some scrapes, some bruises, and you'll be fine in the long run. Totally. Back to triathlon and the race season, which is like super exciting because Kona, all women in Kona, that should be interesting and a fun race opportunity. That's the trajectory for you. Yeah. So that would be the goal. I have just been getting into the long course Ironman length uh, racing this past year. I've done two full distance races um, where the first one, I don't know, I I hardly count that as, you know, a full because I ended up screwing up some things with my nutrition and walked a large portion of the marathon. So I just try to not think about that race. (laughs) You're like, I'm blocking it out. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I'll learn from it what I need to learn from it. And then I'm just going to move on from that one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, the, the focus would be to get to Tacona this year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just doing what it takes to do that. Um, you know, I'll have some other races goal would be to do a couple of the PTO races this year. Um, I did all of the ones last year or most of the ones last year. Um, they've changed some of the qualification criteria for the PTO races. Um, so and they've made it just a bit tighter. So, um, it's, you need to be ranked, um, in a certain position. And so it really depends on how the first couple races of the season go. Um, if those do go well, then, then I would qualify for those PTO races. So I feel confident that I'll be there. Um, yeah, but yeah, those are on the on the trajectory for the year. PTO looks like a lot of fun. I have to go watch a race and check it out. I mean, I know they have spots now for uh, recreational amateur athletes, but not every race. So this year, uh, the U.S., the PTO U.S. Open is the same weekend as the age group nationals in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Got it. Yeah. So if you're interested in doing um, age group nationals, I'm not sure if you've qualified for that. Not even close. I, it's I'm pretty, like back of the yeah, pack, slow athlete. <laughs> okay. I just it's, go it's, out for the ride. Yeah. Okay. I don't know that it's too hard to qualify. Yeah. Um, oh, really? For the, yeah. I think you basically just need to, I, mean, I don't know, finish the triathlon for the oh, most really? part. I think like my triathlon was like when I started, I was really into it and I was really into PRing and my time and mm-hmm. like the pandemic just like kind of like has me more chill about it as an athlete I just I'm kind of like in it to have fun and finish I think because my training has been so off but I think I feel it like I feel my competitive self coming back I just don't know that it's this year (laughs) but I do feel like I do I do think that you know I want to like come in my age group I don't know if I want to do Kona if that swim Mm -hmm. is challenging I think I just really like doing the 70.3 distance and I'd love to be faster at that. I think that's my main goal. Yeah. You could go and do the 70.3 Hawaii, which is in Hanu. Right. If you wanted to do a 70.3 race in Hawaii. Yeah. I mean, I went there for a vacation and rode on the Queen K and I mm-hmm. loved it. I mean, it was so scary as somebody who, 
you know, I was talking about wind when we started this podcast, but that wind oh, yeah. is like, holy cow, that was next level. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was like 105 pounds and 5'1". And I was like hanging <laughs> on to the bike for my life. My partner was like, I'm not doing this. She was like, we're turning around. I'm like, come on, we can do it. We were like on our way to Javi. <laughs> yeah, no, we didn't make it. But it's it was beautiful. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it is. It is. So yeah, hopefully I can be there this year. So who are some of That's your cool sponsors this year? Like who are you? I know we were introduced through Super Sapiens. Are you, are you working with them this year? Or? Yeah. Yep. Working with Super Sapiens, um, working with Precision Hydration as well. Oh, I love them. Yeah. Andy is great. Yeah. He's been on the podcast too. Oh, good. Wonderful. Yeah. That's a really great group of people. Um, they're just kind of like the people that you would go and sit down and have a beer with. You yeah. Know? They're very cool. <laughs> yes. Very cool. Uh, and I got to know them in person more this year. They were at a lot of the PTO races last year. Yeah. Uh, so that was pretty fun getting to know them better. Um, this sponsor I'm super excited about. It's definitely a, a dream sponsor, um, but I'll be working with Trimtex this year. Um, so if you're familiar with, um, you know, like Christian Blumenfeld and yes. Gustav Eden, yeah. So they have been in the working with Trimtex for a few years now, um, and that's the the kits that they've or Blumenfeld has worn. Um, and it's, I mean, the kits are amazing. super fast, yeah. super well-designed. Um, you know, it's not just designed with the aerodynamics in mind, but also in how it cools your body off Ooh. Uh, and keeps, it regulates your core temperature really well. So there's some really creative innovations with those kits that I'm, I'm really excited. So I'll be, um, in a trim text kit for Oceanside and then moving forward for the year. So that's exciting. Uh, but then also though, they have a new company at Surface, okay. which they just announced Surface. Um, and that, so they'll have basically, it's basically two companies now where Trimtex is more of their clothing. So cycling and run. And they actually have, um, they focus on uh, winter sports. So like ski clothes and stuff, okay. um, which I don't ski, but we do have snow. So, um, and then Surface is will will be hosting all of their like triathlon kits. Oh, cool! Mm-hmm. They're really fast. Stuff. But what about your bike? What do you ride? So this is not a sponsor, but I just have I have a felt bike. Yeah, yeah, I love my. It's just been, uh, yeah, we have it um fit to me really well um I have a long a very long torso and so there's not many frames that many stock frames that will just fit me um and so I have to do some like custom things to make myself get long enough on the bike um and then another sponsor I have is Bamboo Works which is pretty cool um if so Larry and Cynthia um own Bamboo Works it's a small like mom and pop type company they make um like um like beanies and um the socks and um just uh, some accessories for active wear and sport um and they are they make them with bamboo okay that's good which is yeah environmentally friendly of course um and then also it has some good like wicking properties and also um antimicrobial properties to the products as well which is cool but they're really great people um, and I just love supporting them and you know they're kind of like family to me too so I think that's so important working with them like when you pick your partners and your sponsors that the product can be great but 
the culture of the company and the people that run it are also equally important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, that's honestly, that's number one for me is yeah. the people that I'm working with. Right. Yeah. Um, and then also working with a company that has products that I use yes. regularly and, yeah. and want to use. Yeah. And that was big when I was um, working with precision hydration, you know, before they even bring somebody on, you know, they don't just bring somebody on because, okay, you're a world champion who's going to work with you. You know, they want good people and they want you to use their products for about a year yeah. before actually coming on board. Yeah. I like, I use their products. I like their different, the hydration tablets. I think they're great, like the different levels. And mm-hmm. I did their sweat test and it's very helpful. Really, really helpful. It is. So what did you learn about your sweat? Yeah, I learned a ton. I mean, I'm a low salt sweater, but in hot conditions, I definitely have a higher sweat rate, depending on the temperatures outside and the humidity, obviously. I also stopped using gels thanks to Dr. Stacy Sims. It was really interesting to just hear like this really dialed kind of perspective on like hydration, sweat tests, and then also like trying their other products. Yeah. Absolutely. That's good. You know, it's something about having a little bit of solid, you know, not like too solid, but the gel is just solid enough to help kind of keep your stomach at bay. Yeah. Um, So that's good that you figured that out. What do you do for nutrition? Uh, Or Well, see, you're, (laughs) you're lucky. Um, I lose about 1300 milligrams of sodium per liter. And then I also do sweat a fair amount. So I'm losing a lot of sweat. So yeah, no, I pretty much guzzle the 1500 tabs. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I was saying I, I use those and then I also um, use the thousands uh, in training. Okay. So I'm like using the 500s in training and the thousands on race day. But that was, okay. I find that super helpful because it really makes a big difference when you know that, right? And you also use Super Sapiens, which is so game changing for looking at the nutrition you're using and optimizing your performance, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, how I learned a lot of this is at Ironman Texas, I, well, I made some boneheaded decisions before the race and kind of changed some things with my nutrition about two weeks before, which was silly, Yeah, but whatever. I usually happens. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it does. So you learn things the hard way sometimes, but honestly it's, I ended up for the best, I guess, in the long run, because um, we figured that I should have taken in about 12 grams or 12,000 milligrams during the race. Okay. I took in maybe three grams. Oh so God. like a quarter. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which would explain why I started cramping at mile 60 of the bike, uh, oh. which was just awful. So, um, yeah, I was, I was cramping really badly. And then the run was, it just turned into like a run, walk, do whatever it takes to get yourself to the finish line kind of marathon. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure there's people out there that have been like, you know, I've been there, done that. And it's awful. Um, Especially so, like when you're out there and I mean, as a pro- professional athlete, like it's part of your job to like, just like a, a robot, eat the food, drink the water, right? Like, there's no thinking, but like, sometimes it's hard to, uh, eat well, that. Yeah. I was so, um, focused on getting in the carbohydrates that I needed and, fa- and, and neglected the sodium Got part it. of the equation. 
gone. Yeah. So I was getting in adequate carbohydrates, but not the sodium, which led to that, that cramping. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, so began working with precision hydration to help like figure that stuff out. And then also uh, super sapiens has been helpful to help me dial in, you know, exactly the types of carbs to be getting in, um, how many carbs to be getting in. And then also, uh, like the timing of yes. those carbohydrates too, That's which great. has been helpful. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. so what shoes do you run in? Yeah. I mean, I, Nike just, again, not sponsored. They don't sponsor really anybody, but at least definitely in triathlon. So yeah, Nike, it's a shoe that works for my foot and I'm an, uh, a runner. So the, the alpha fly two is what I choose for the 70.3 in fulls. What's the stack on that? It's legal, right? Yeah, <laughs> it is. Did you yep, see that? Mm-hmm. They outlawed super yes. shoes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So it's forty millimeters. Okay, so it's um, on the, the cusp. The outlawed. Right. So the outlawed ones would be are higher than that. So I think some of the ones that were most concerning of recent were fifty. Oh, okay. Millimeters. I haven't tried the Nikes yet. It's not for everyone. I know it's easy for people to say, oh, you know, this is what the pros are doing. This is what I'm going to do. That's not the best approach to sport (laughs) for yourself because everybody uh, has different mechanics when they run and they run differently. And there are shoes that are better designed for how you run and your gait. Um, If you are, you know, a prominent heel striker, if you are running in specific types of carbon plated shoes, um, or shoes with different types of, um, like molds with the, the foam, the you're actually going to be fighting the, yeah, you, you may actually be fighting the shoe and it can be pushing you backwards. So that would be the case with the alpha flies. You know, if you are a heavy heel striker, I mean, you're fighting the shoe and it's not actually going to be helping you very much Interesting. in terms of making you faster. It might be cushy and it might feel good, right. but if you're in it for speed, it might not be your best option. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. definitely, I think I'm kind of shifting my gait over the years. Like I would, I definitely am a heel striker when I'm tired, but I, I think like when I'm running and I'm like starting out, I, I have that focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are you going to say? <laughs> and well, maybe it's not so much, okay, there's nothing actually wrong with heel striking. No. It's more so where you're landing, right? Where your heel is landing in relation to your body. So when I say heel striking, what I really mean is like, if your if your heel's landing out in front of you, okay, right. Then you're kind of over. Yeah. So you're over striding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So ideally you want to be landing underneath your body. Okay. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely have, like have been trying a few different shoes. What are you doing when you're not doing triathlon? Like what are you reading? What are you watching? What's, what's going on? <laughs> I am, gosh, you could probably ask me what I've seen on Netflix and it might be easier to tell you what I haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like me. <laughs> yeah. Well, part of it is also because, you know, I, I watch shows when I'm on the trainer for hours, yep. especially if it's like just a ride and not like an actual like workout workout. Oh, well, my husband and I also really enjoy like reality shows, like really kind of stuff that is probably not, doesn't, doesn't make you a smarter person. Um, <laughs> like Love um, Island. Let's see. Yeah, Love Island is enjoyable. Um, we anything with lots of drama. Okay. We 
have been watching Vanderpump Rules, which I don't know if you watched that. No, I haven't watched that. But it's 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 a, it took me like a while to kind of get into, but there's been a whole bunch of drama this season, so um, I, it's kind of like a hot thing right now. Which I'm not one for trends, but it's actually enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also crochet. Oh, cool. That's nice. Yeah. So that's a good thing to do when I'm recovering in between workouts. <laughs> Are you making anything right now specific? I am making a blanket, but which okay, that, that's also you know, you crochet, you make a blanket. Well, I've made a lot of different things. Like I made my dad some really cool um, gloves that are, are lined and have like a leather patch on them. So, cause he is a hunter and fisherman. So I wanted to make them very practical for him to wear outdoors. So those are really cool. I've made a lot of beanies. Um, and I made, I actually have to send you a picture. Um, I made my dad and his wife a, um, big blanket and it has nine different squares on it and each square is actually a picture it's it's a representation of their dogs they have a whole bunch of dogs that's so i'll just send you a picture of that do you Um, have right now the blanket oh sorry oh yeah george okay i have a little dog george i can send you a picture of george too i want to ask you about george but wait (laughs) so i interrupted you about the blanket so it's a picture it's all squares of all their different dogs it is uh, so that's that was pretty special. Um, and then the one that I'm doing now, you know, I found this pattern for my great grandmother, my great grandmother, my, my mama Giddens. Um, she lived to be over 100 years old and she crocheted for most of her life and just made hundreds of Afghans for her family. I picked up crochet during COVID, uh, but I also kind of I feel very inspired by my great grandmother when I do this because it just helps me like remember her and everything I make, I usually am making it for somebody, um, which is kind of what she did whenever she made something, she always ended up giving it away. Um, and so it's meaningful. Um, but I found this pattern and it's, um, a traditional Navajo Afghan. And so, I mean, I don't even know, she probably got this from a relative, but it's kind of like this old weathered yellowish, crinkled piece of paper. So I found this pattern. I thought it was super cool. I'm like, okay, I'm going to make this blanket. I don't even know what it's supposed to look like. Um, but that's what I'm doing right now. That's cool. That's very cool. Mm -hmm. I love that. So your dog, George, (laughs) he is a rat Jack terrier. Okay. I feel like I might've seen on Instagram pictures. I'm sure I have because I was on your Instagram. Mm -hmm. So what's his like, how old is he? I, I think he's around seven years old this year. And like, what's his favorite thing to do? Maybe eight years old this year, actually. Uh, He likes to sleep. (laughs) And he's a terrier? I I swear. (laughs) I know, right? He's lazy. Uh, And I think, well, we also have a cat. He's very jealous of the cat because, uh, I don't know, he was an only child for a long time. But now he has a cat in his life, so. (laughs) Does the cat like him? They get along they tolerate each other. They don't really fight. Um, George always wants to play with Miles, but Miles just kind of stares at him like he's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so that's tip. That sounds like a typical cat dog. So we have two dogs and they're super cute. And one of them loves to eat everything, like not food related. Like, oh, <laughs> so we are usually like at the dog vet for some emergency, like every other week. Oh, no, that's awful. 
mean, there's so much value in having a dog just for your mental health. It is. He, uh, he's been with me for a long time. Uh, and he's been with me through a lot in my life and, but he's always there, you know, and he's just, that's how dogs are, right. They're just there for their humans. And, um, you know, I always think about like, whenever he's not going to be there. And I just, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to think about that. Cause that's a terrible thought to have. Awful. No, I do. The <laughs> but same yeah. Thing. Yeah. Cause they, they are, they're truly family, you know, and he's, he's like my kid. So. Yeah. And your parents ha- have yeah. nine dogs right now, or they've had nine dogs over the years. Oh, well, countless numbers of dogs over the years, but, um, no, my dad has, um, gosh, I think went four. Oh, I think, I think four, He's got, well, Sheba and Colt, Ruger and Kimber. Uh, yeah. Are they hunting dogs? Four dogs right now. You said he well, or so. He does. Um, they don't go with him. Okay. But uh, two of them are European boxers, really big dogs. And the other one is a great, not a Pyrenees. Um, it starts with an N. What's the other one? Like the really big sheep dog. Newfoundland? Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Yes. Yeah. I and so he has <laughs> when I was seven, <laughs> I memorized every breed of dog out there. <laughs> yeah. And then crazy. the other one is an Australian, some sort of Australian sheep dog, I think. Oh, cool. Cool. So he has hundreds of pounds of dogs. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> they don't live in West Palm, do they? Or still? Oh, no, no in Virginia. Okay. That's awesome. Well, this has been so much fun. We made it happen. So thank you. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, marnieonthemove1 at gmail.com. And let me know what you're enjoying, what you want